You're listening to Calgary Today with Angela Kokot on News Talk 770. Call in with your questions and comments. 974-TALK, 974-8255. Long distance at 1-800-563-7770. Brought to you by California Closets. For the love of home. Good Thursday afternoon. So much activity. It still smells like all that great beef that Danielle was trying in the last half hour. I notice. Wait a second. There's no beef left over. But we have Christmas cookies, which we always uh, like to have some kind of sweet for Mayor Nancy when he drops by. I was promised meat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, that's the other host. You got to deal with that. I at least all am I want to you... know is is that life after politics? That's you life. get to sit and say, mm, I like seafood too, because <laughs> I got my eye on that time slot. Let me tell you. Yeah, count me in. <laughs> count me in. Uh, yeah, I've got Christmas cookies. Not like uh, you haven't had a few Christmas cookies already. That is not a crack about how I look, ladies and gentlemen. Just no. before, just before I came in, I was telling Angela that uh, I was meaning to go for lunch today. I had a half hour break between meetings, and then I noticed the eighteen different kinds of Christmas cookies in the office, and I felt the need to sample every one of them. No, and it is totally not a remark on your appearance. It's every office this last couple of weeks. You can't come into an office without having a bunch of Christmas cookies to choose from. I want to mention last month we tried the old Periscope experiment and periscope for those of you who aren't familiar if you are on twitter and i'm on twitter at calgary today and then our twitter followers can watch this live broadcast on periscope and we actually have another couple of guests here they're silent guests doug and alan because do you remember at pledge day a few weeks back marinanchi I remember that you were saying that uh, if people put in a big pledge, they could come for Wine Wednesday. And I said, who'd want to come for Wine Wednesday when you can come for Mayor Thursday? And you know what? Mayor Thursday, sure enough, brought us in a lovely pledge from Doug and Alan's family. So thank you so much. You guys can just nod. Don't worry. I'm not going to put you on the spot. So they said they I was hoping they'd answer the tough questions. Yeah, okay. Well, if there are really tough questions, we'll throw them over to them. 974-TALK, 974-8255 is the number to call for... Uh, question if you have one for Mayor Nancy. Of course, you can always text 770-770. Follow me on Twitter at Calgary Today. And of course, Mayor Nancy, what are you up to? 100 million followers now on Twitter? All I know is today BuzzFeed had an article which they call Listicles. It's a list that's an article about me, um, which is weird. And uh, let's see what happens to the follower count. Wait a second. What's the headline of that listicle? It's something crazy. It's like 19 times. Let me see if I can find it here. 19 times Nenshi proved he was Canada's first Internet dad. I don't even know what that means. I I, I think it means that I make terrible, terrible jokes. (laughs) Well, that's all the more reason to read the listicle. So they want well, to that, grab you. That's just you. it. These titles, right? These titles. It's Clickbait, the headline. It's called. Well, and in fact, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll find that people don't even read our blogs. They just comment on the titles. And I often say, did you have a chance to actually read my blog before you made a comment on it? But that's the way. We have very short attention spans. So we've got such a short attention span. I want to get some topics out there. And of course, you guys know you can always call in and ask Mary Nancy any questions. I want to go back to earlier this week, though, and Mary Nancy, uh, 
uh, notice of motion when it came to spending some money on infrastructure projects, um, freezing, what was it, parks and rec passes? Give me an idea. So of your... two things happened on Monday. Number one is something we've talked about on this show a million times, which is how we fund transit, how we fund the city's portion of transit. So Councillor Keating brought forth a notice of motion on that famous $52 million mm-hmm. uh, to extend that. It was uh, allocated for 10 years to the Green Line. Now that we have a federal funding commitment, and I hope we'll have a provincial funding commitment, Council Keating came to Council and said, <clears throat> let's extend that another 20 years, and that'll be the city's one-third commitment. Uh, and Council passed that actually very handily. It was mm-hmm. 10 to 4. Uh, Councillor Pincott had to step out or it would have been 11 to 4, uh, which is a very, very different than you'll recall, perhaps the million conversations we had about this uh, a few years ago. Right. And I think most councillors have now said, you know what? This is actually a very good thing because it has attracted $1.5 billion of federal money, and we think it'll attract provincial money as well. Will it always be $52 million? Will there always be that tax room? Yeah, because what happened is when council chose to take it, it went into the base. Okay. So no one will ever notice it. It's not another increase to your taxes, right. but it's in the base tax take anyway. So I, I, the yeah. only reason I mention that, it's not my file or my shtick, but I know your listeners have been very interested yes. in that, and I wanted to explain it. The second thing, which kind of is my shtick, is that we continue to grind down on efficiencies uh, at City Hall. And this year, in a, we were able to use some of that, as you know, to lower uh, the tax rate for next year. But I found at the end of the year, as we looked through it, that we had an additional amount of money in what what I would characterize as a one-time surplus. I don't think we'll be able to do it again in 2016, given the economy. But it was about $30 million. So typically, those one-time surpluses just roll into our savings account. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I want to get some of that money back in people's pockets right away. And I want to get it to work uh, during this economic downturn in the economy right away. And so I was very, very pleased that council supported me in that. So we're freezing transit fares. They were meant to go up uh, January 1st. They're not going to. Same with rec uh, fees so people can still take their kids to swimming lessons and so on, as well as your pet fees. So those are all frozen at 2015 levels. We created a small fund to help nonprofit organizations that are going through trouble at the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of them are actually doing great in their holiday uh, fundraising Giving, campaigns, yeah. you know, and I've been saying, and I said when I was with you on Pledge Day, if those of us who can afford to give this year have to give just a little bit more because there are too many of our neighbors who want to give and just can't this year and there's t- so much demand. And I think you had a record day mm-hmm. um, on your Pledge Day and others are, but not everybody. And right. a lot of these smaller nonprofits uh, are really struggling. So we set aside some money to help them keep people employed and keep their services going over the next several months. And then the remaining little less than half of the money We have actually asked city administration to work with three bodies, the Calgary Chamber of Commerce representing small business, um, Calgary Housing, obviously representing housing, and Calgary Economic Development representing the economy as a whole and said, look, there's about $15 million here. There might be a little bit more that we can find. What's the best way to get that money into people's pockets and into use in the community right away to help us deal with the economic downturn? And I was very pleased that council supported that. Was there any suggestion, though, maybe if you put all the money in one area, it might be more effective as opposed to spreading it out? There was quite a debate about it, actually. So a couple of councillors said, put it all into housing, for example. And a couple of councillors said, well, you know, return it all to the taxpayer. Now, to be honest, this would come out to about maybe just south of $20 on a tax bill, and you wouldn't get that until Mm -hmm. June. And I thought, well, rather than give people $20 in June, let's give those people who take transit a break 
right away. Um, And then, so it's true that it's a bit of a menu, but what I really wanted to do is I wanted to reach as many people as possible with whatever kinds of breaks we could get. And the transit one in particular, that $4 a month for an adult bus pass is almost as much as the entire property tax increase this year. So if you are transit users in your family, you're actually going to see a benefit that is greater than the property tax increase. We've got a phone call, and let's get the phone calls going. 974-TALK, 974-8255. Hi, Steve. What's your question for the mayor? Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's Hi, going Steve. well. Um, just so you know, I'm a big supporter of you. I've thought you've been great ever since inception, but I do have a little bone to pick. Go. <laughs> uh, mostly about the, the whole Uber thing. I oh, was, sure. Like, just, just clarification for everybody. I'm sure everybody's wondering why. I mean, Uber's everywhere in big cities. Um, they don't necessarily... I've, I've used them in other cities and in New York and all kinds of different places, and it's been great. They don't shut down business for taxi cab drivers. They're just another thing yep. so that me, a, a person that needs to get somewhere now, can just get it now when the times are tough and busy. And it gives people to have a little bit of part-time cash on the side for themselves. Because I, I'm in real estate, and I know that I would pick people up every once in a while. i got to drive yeah. around. It, it helps the green movement. It does everything. So, so I, mean, I just want to know what your thoughts are. I don't, I don't. I don't disagree with anything you said, Stephen. I've used that service all over the world as well, but they have a big problem in Canada, and the problem in Canada is that they don't have proper insurance. And the Insurance Bureau of Canada has actually uh, affirmed that if you're the driver, the minute you get onto the app, your personal insurance is invalid. And Uber knows this; they've known it for two years or more. And so we've been working with them to create a regulatory environment to make it safe for them to come in. But their biggest to-do, on the, we had a bunch of to-dos on our list, and we've been working through those around fares and rates and things like that. Their biggest to-do was solve the insurance problem. And they hadn't solved it, and they chose to launch anyway. And you know what? As cool as it is and as helpful as it is and as disruptive as it is, you and me are not allowed to drive without insurance. Nobody's allowed to drive without insurance. So a a judge agreed with us on that. Um, And Uber, in fact, also agreed with us. You know, they may have seen last week they issued a press release going, all right, fine, you're right. We're going to work with the city on this and get it right. So I fully anticipate that they will have their insurance problem solved in the very early part of 2016. I understand there's a product before the provincial regulators in Canada right now. Because it um, is a provincial. We, we clarify, right? It's a provincial the, the whole issue. Yeah. insurance issue is provincial, That's which right. I've always been confused about why the municipality is holding up this. Oh, because we enforce the laws, right? Okay. So even speeding uh, ticket, or speed is, zones is, is a provincially provincial, set, but, you have but to, we have to enforce okay. them. So in yeah, any case... So in any case, um, we will have our new bylaw in place if council approves it to allow Uber uh, very early in 2016. And as soon as they've got their insurance ready to go, uh, then they'll be back. Uh, and I anticipate they'll want to come back. Yeah, and I've, I've heard mixed sort of things on that where it's, they're just hitting roadblocks like crazy. And, and that sounds great that that's what they're trying yeah. to move forward. And if that truly is the case, then that's Yeah, great. you know, it's, I mean, it's a funny thing because my, they, they're, they're interesting. company, too. Did you? What did they say? Well, and they they just they just have to modify your own your own yeah. policy. You yeah, just and they, change it to almost commercial, and it's not that much different. Really, that's interesting because other people who I've talked to about this have told me that it's you know ten thousand or more dollars in order to make that switch. And what the insurance industry is looking for is kind of a part-time commercial policy, which does not yet yeah. exist in Canada. That's what I was told uh, by folks. I've had lots of insurance people, and in. I mean the funny thing about Uber is. 
Uh, there's not really a very polite way of saying it, so I'm just going to say, you know, there's a brand new Harvard Business School case uh, about Uber. And the case is, if you have a brilliant disruptive innovation, is it okay to really be a jerk? And uh, they've been very, very challenging to work with. And I'm actually quite happy that they've now signed an agreement with the city to work with us going forward. Uh, because, you know, I'll give you a simple example. On the same weekend when we were discussing the bylaw, they sent an email out to everyone who signed up for Uber in Calgary saying, call the mayor and tell him to hurry up with this. And at the same moment sent me a letter saying, please, you're going too fast. We need at least six months to get this sorted out. And it's just, it's uh, tough to work with people like that. Well, Let's they put it also that had way. said, and for anyone watching on Periscope, we obviously are talking about Uber, but they also had said they've been trying to work with the city for the last 12 to 14 months. Well, and this is exactly true. And mm-hmm. so we had our to-do list, they had their to-do list. We totally were working on ours. In fact, Edmonton and Calgary are ahead of almost every jurisdiction in getting through this mm-hmm. stuff with them. Um, they didn't do their part. All right, so Steve. How, thanks so much. I've got lots, then? Steve. I've got lots of calls to get to. So sorry about that. Um, you know what? Nine seven four talk. We got to take a break as well. Nine seven four eight two five five. Text seven seventy seven seventy. Lots of texts to get through with the mayor as well. I'm Angela Cocot, along with Mayor Nancy. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk seven seventy. Back after this. Back to Calgary Today with Angela Cocot. On News Talk 770, text your questions and comments to 770-770. Brought to you by California Closets, for the love of home. Mayor Nancy is in, making sure that we don't turn his microphone on until we should, but he was looking at all the texts that are coming in, and I said... The no. ones I'm looking at are all about marijuana, yeah, and that I was don't yesterday. think that's what we're talking Do about Do not know. It was marijuana was yesterday. Uh, the number to call, 974-TALK, 974-8255, text 770-770. We are also periscoping this, and of course, if you are on Twitter with at Nancy or at Calgary Today, you can tune in and watch the conversation live, and then we'll try to fill in the blanks when people call in, because unfortunately, we haven't got that kind of technology. Here's a text for you, Mayor Nancy. Yes. When the city launched the blue bins, they said they would reconsider the charges after reviewing the revenue coming from recycling. I haven't heard anything about that since. Oh, yeah. When I first became mayor, uh, ooh, maybe the year after, mm-hmm. we actually did decrease the price a little bit on the blue bin, okay. um, though we did not on the black bin. It, and it was a 25 or 50 cents if memory serves a month. So not huge. Right. Uh, the most interesting thing about this, though, is I've just had a report on, so what are we going to do with the green bins? Yes. Uh, when the green bins come so in starting organic. in 2017. That's the organic. Uh-huh. And so likely what will happen, and council needs to make this decision, but likely what will happen is that uh, when the green bins come in mid-2017, your black bin will move to a once-every-two-weeks collection. Good. Your green bin will be every week. Okay. Your blue bin, to start with, will still be every week, and we'll see how they go. I, mm-hmm. I don't know very many people who fill up the entire blue bin every week. I know I don't. In fact, I'm... Uh, I uh, usually put out my black and blue bins once every three weeks or so. Right. But especially in the winter. But that's sad. So then we have to figure out the pricing on all of that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to most likely take the savings from taking the black bin every two weeks to reduce the cost on the green bin. So it's going to go up, but hopefully not as much as just introducing the whole new green bin service. Let's go to the phones. 974-TALK. 974-8255. Hi, Don. Hi, Don. Hi, thank you for taking my call, and I'm not really a question, but more some insight into something that's bothering me or is questioning me. Sure, go ahead. Uh, 
we've, as a Canadian country, we've taken in uh, 10,000 refugees. We have plans for 25 and maybe even 50 if Mr. McCallum sees fit. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Everything's come together, both publicly and privately. What are we doing wrong with the homeless? If this happened in three or four months, we've been trying for 20 years to help the homeless. You know, there's actually a really good answer to that question. And I can uh, hang up. Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks Don. Don. And he's and, asking and, about the homeless and, in relation to the Syrian refugees, why we're able to get 10,000 refugees in so quickly and we're still having problems with the homeless. And Don, you know, thank you for raising that because, and thank you for raising it in, in such a thoughtful manner because it's something that we really do need to think about. And the challenge is this. Our experience with people who are coming in as refugees, particularly people who are coming in from cities, is that they tend to get on their feet very, very quickly. So, you know, Syria, for example, is a middle-income country. It's not a poor country. And the folks, or wasn't a poor country. And the folks who are coming in are not, don't tend to be sort of rural people or, or less educated people. I don't mean rural people or less educated, but they tend to be engineers and IT workers and nurses who came home one day to find their house bombed out. And so what we typically find with these populations, whether it was the Ugandan Asians in 1972 or the Iraqis and the Kosovars more recently, is that if you can help them get their feet below them, if you can help them with English language classes in particular at the beginning, they end up on their feet quite quickly. And that's why for the refugees, we're not looking at social housing or government housing. We're looking to the private sector landlords to give us some assistance for the first few months or even the first year while these folks get on their feet. We don't think they'll need ongoing support after that. And, and experience has shown they typically don't, uh, at least in, not in the same proportions as regular uh, people who are already here. Homeless people is a more complicated issue, obviously, and we have to work hard to end homelessness. We've got two or three years left in our 10-year plan to end homelessness. We've got to build more affordable housing, but typically the folks who are homeless have more complex needs, whether those are addiction or mental health, requiring wraparound services. It's not quite as easy to say if you're just in a home and six months later you're going to be fine. So that's really the challenge. Now, that said, you know, we've created thousands of units of affordable housing. We continue to create more. It continues to be one of my very top priorities because we have to move people out of the shelter system into stability quickly so that they can both um, develop the dignity they need in their own lives but also contribute more to the community. But but it's harder. It's harder. Yeah. All right, Don, that was his question. And let's see here. Another question here. Well, actually, go back to the Syrian refugees and the landlords. So are landlords being subsidized then? Because I've had some people say, great, private landlords, they're going to be able to profit off of the refugee crisis. You know, a bit of both, a bit of both. We are lucky right now that the vacancy rate is higher in Calgary than it's been. It's still really low compared to anywhere else. Yeah. But there's a bit of capacity here. And so we have a number of landlords, both very, very big ones, Strategic and uh, Main Street and Boardwalk, who have come in with hundreds of units. We also have people who have a basement suite, hopefully a legal one, mm. um, coming saying, you know, I can give you a break on the rent for the first six months or so on. And I think that those things are working really well. But, you know, I'll give you an example. I was speaking with a gentleman who is a mechanical engineer, Syrian refugee, He's been here for about three months, two teenage kids, high school, and his English is not bad, but it needs to be a little bit better to right. to be professional. So they found a house, $1,100 a month, which is actually not bad uh, rent for Calgary. The challenge is his total income 
while he is going to school and improving his English and getting his, some of his corporate skills ready so he can um, challenge the mechanical engineer's exam or, or however that works. His total income is $1,300. So he's got 200 bucks left for groceries, utilities, and everything else. And my argument is you don't want to lose the game in the last few inches. You got these people from this place of incredible violence and trauma all the way to safety and sanctuary. They're so close. They're at the goal line of being able to create this great new life for themselves and their families. And you don't want to lose the game at the end over a few hundred bucks a month for the first few months. And that's where I think we need to really be thoughtful. And that's what I've been pushing the federal government and the private sector on. We've got more phone calls to get to, and I know I've only got about a minute here, so I don't want to take a phone call and then run out of time. So if you can hang on the line, that would be great. 974-TALK, 974-8255. Oh, Dave, with a quick one. How much oil does it take to make a green bin? Oh, sort of slipping in a bit of a climate change comment in there and uh, trying to have uh, environmentally sensitive Not as much as as you save from the composting. All right, Mayor Nancy, he joins us today, and he's here till 4 o'clock. Text us, 770-770. Call us, 974-TALK, 974-8255. And if you can, we are on Periscope, which means you have to also be on Twitter. But it's just something we kind of have fun with. We're trying to do it a few times every time he comes here. Mayor Nancy, we will hold on, and you can enjoy some more goodies here. And we will be back after this. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk 770. Know what's what in Calgary. It's Calgary Today with Angela Coca on News Talk 770. Brought to you by California Closets for the love of home. 974-TALK, 974-8255 is the number to call for a question with Mayor Nenshi. Of course, you can always text 770-770. You can email me. Angela at Newstalk770.com. Mayor Nenshi, remind everyone what your email is. The mayor at calgary.ca. Remember, there's only one mayor, so it's the mayor at calgary.ca. And if we don't get to your call uh, or your question today, please send me a note and we will get back to you. But we are taking a few days off over the holidays. Oh, you are. You are, are you? Uh, any big plans? Big plans. Mm-hmm. Big plans. Um, no, it's going to be nice. Spend some time with family uh, and try to relax and try to read and try to write a little bit. I'm... Uh, Trying to write up my story of the flood. I know that's two and a half years ago, but I've been working on it for two and a half years, and I'm trying to remember all the details uh, because there's been some people who have expressed some interest in reading it from my perspective. Great. Okay, let's go to the phones. Hello, Gord. Hi, Gord. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Mayor and Angela. Merry Christmas, Gord. Coming up. You bet. What's your question? Well, I think we know what it is. Um, We were talking. Just before summertime came. It was ages about ago, yeah. The, yeah, I know. about. The, I, I never forget. I'm like an elephant here. Uh, like the uh, study that came out uh, on absenteeism within the city with the employees. And I'd mentioned, I think it was 11 days on average is the average for each city employee. So that's one day a month. And I said we either have a massive, massive sick problem. We need a lot of doctors down there. Or... People are using sick days as holidays, days off, stuff like that, because that's a little much. And you said you're going to get back to me. Yeah, so you I'm know. Calling just to see what's going on. Um, so I'm not sure I have any new info for you, um, though I'm oh. 
though I've been meaning to talk to you uh, offline uh, in, about this because I know we've been doing yeah. another study on this. Now, I will say, though, I'll remind listeners that, as we talked about the last time, that our numbers are actually not bad for public sector workers. And the really thing that I'm really interested in uh, that I don't have the numbers for yet is breaking that down by different categories of workers. So, you know... I think bus drivers are going to get sick more than uh, office workers, for example. You know, they have to deal with people coughing on them all day. Uh, I think people who work outside uh, are likely to get more sick. But I'm really interested in what the number is for office workers to try and compare those to um, similar categories. But I don't have any answers for you yet, Gord. Sorry, it would have been a good okay. Christmas present, but I don't have it. So do That's send me problem. do send me an email, though, um, because I don't know okay. if we ever followed up with you after the spring. So calgary.ca and I'll see what I can find for you. You got it. I'll do that. Have a happy New Year, both of you. You Thanks, too. Take Gord. care. And there Thank is, you. as you said, a big difference between inside workers and outside workers, yes. just in the nature of their work. So um, maybe when we do an average of city workers, maybe we have to say the average for inside workers is this, the average for outside workers. And we is have this. to separate, you know, are you sick with a cold or is this an injury accident and all kinds of things like mm-hmm. that. But, but Gord's got a fair point that people deserve to have a little more data on that, and I just don't have it yet. Uh, let's go back to the phones, 974-TALK, 974-8255. Ursula, how are you, and what's your question for the mayor? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Ursula. Hi. Uh, my question is, like, I know we were talking, you were talking about the refugees, where they get, um, the gentleman has $1,300 income and only $200 a month to live off of with two teenage kids. Yes. Um, what about the people who are on a secured income? Um, I have friends who is he's receiving H, and mm-hmm. he only has $88 a month to live off of after he pays his rent and utilities. Where's he living? In okay. Calgary. What I'm trying to say is he's living on his own or is he living in a facility? He's living on his own. Wow. You know, this is... Um yeah, I, I, I don't want to throw it off on you and say this is a provincial issue, but it is a provincial issue. But I think all of us need to continue to work on issues around poverty. That's why we have a local poverty reduction strategy, even though it's not, truth be told, the city's responsibility. Uh, these are the kinds of things that we got to work on because everyone deserves to have decent opportunity in the country. I was really happy when the provincial government finally increased the AISH um, amounts, but I know that a lot of people ended up just having their landlords increase their rents. Uh, by that amount as well. And these are things we got to work on. Uh, Mayor Iveson in Edmonton and I have been long talking for a, about a new national anti-poverty strategy. I think it's time for us to experiment with a basic income kind of program um, and try to do something brand new around poverty. Uh, and that's a conversation that I continue to push and we'll be talking with all the mayors about uh next year. But really, it's the provinces and the federal government who have to come to the table on this and understand that even a prosperous place like this, poverty is a very serious issue. Ursula? It is. And uh, even like he, him and his family, they've been, they put their name on through Calgary Housing. Yes. They've been on there for four years. Yeah. The, trying you know, to get affordable housing. And every time like you have to renew it, I guess, every year you have to phone in to keep your name on the list. Yes. And all they're telling him now is that there's too many people coming to Alberta that need homes before he gets one. Well, it's probably not before him because it's a waiting list, a waiting list. You, you do move up it. But to be fair, there's 3,000 people on that waiting list. And with the model we have right now, if no, we have... 5,000. They told him yesterday. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's 5,000 people, 3,000 families. Yeah. I think that's right. And... 
the model we have right now, we are very lucky to get 150, 200, 250 units built a year. So we're never going to catch up. So we actually need a brand new way of thinking about housing. You know, my long time thing, that the one thing I keep losing on at council about legalizing secondary suites is part of that answer. Um, part of it has to do with providing incentives to build more rental housing, which is starting to happen in the market. But for people like your friend who's on AISH, we always will need government or nonprofit supported housing. And we basically have had four or five years now where there's just been no money to build any. So that's one of the reasons why with the surplus, I wanted to at least put some of it aside to either purchase or build new units for subsidized housing. But couldn't these companies that are giving the refugees a break with their rent, couldn't they give people on a guaranteed income a break too? I mean, I'm sure they could, uh, and maybe they maybe they should. But remember that these are really short-term breaks. So the one dangerous thing you want is you don't want to get someone into a house with a rent break for the first six months or the first one year uh, and then have them not be able to afford it anymore. But even if you could get something that's a little bit cheaper, right, and he gets, say that family does get that break, even if it's for six months, at least they can save up a little bit. At least they get some money bit. in their pockets. Yeah, no, it's yeah, a fair point. Yeah, to get ahead because, like, I'm help, we're helping them out, like, with groceries and whatever throughout the month that we can. But it's it just seems really hard that... Yeah, and it's a lot on you. And, struggling like this and you and, want people to be self-sufficient as well, you know. And oh, I should say one thing, though, particularly at this time of year, is people are feeling a lot of pressure. Call 211, not 311, 211, uh, to be connected to resources in the community that can help you, uh, whether you just don't have enough to make it to the end of the month or you're worried about eviction or you're worried about food security. There are lots of resources in the community, but your point is a good one. The number one thing you want to do is help people be able to stand on their own. Ursula, thanks so much for the call. I do have to take a break here. 974-TALK, 974-8255, text 770-770. Just like this one person text and said, my friend on age has several hundreds of dollars left over every month after paying his rent for his one room and food. He's doing just fine. You're listening to Angela Cocod on Calgary Today, News Talk 770, Marinanchi, back after this. 974-TALK, 974-8255, text 770-770, and of course, email me, Angela, at Newstalk770.com, which I do have an email, I, a couple of emails I should get to, and on Twitter, at Calgary Today. Doug and his son, Alan, are joining us. Sadly, his wife, Susan, is ill with a sore tooth, and she was the one who made the great pledge on we Pledge We miss you, Day. Susan. Yeah, Susan, thanks so much for doing that. But um, And we thought that if you're sitting here in the studio... Doug, do you have a question for Mayor Nancy? I do. Uh, the question is regards to having uh, the police uh, doing a photo radar in an area where there is um, very little children to be seen because it's on a weekend. There's no reason for them to be there, yet they do not set up photo radar in an area where the children will be, and it is a playground zone. So you're talking about photo radar in a playground zone in your neighborhood? Yes. Did it used to be a school zone and it got converted to a playground zone? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll start there. That is something that irritates me. Um, council's uh, decision on increasing the times of the playground zone stand at 9 o'clock at night and also to convert many school zones into playground zones is one of the few things that passed through council 14 to 1, and I was the one. Um, but that said... Typically, you only get speed enforcement within neighborhoods 
if there have been lots of complaints uh, from people in the neighborhood about people speeding. So that's likely what's happened here. But on the other hand, the other half of what you said was there's a place where there are lots of kids and there is no enforcement. And that's something to, you can either just call 311, but work through your community association. The Crossroads Community Association is a very good one um, to make sure that those resources through your community liaison officer are put in the places where people are actually worried. And we're happy to continue to do that. You know, a lot of people think these uh, radars are cash cows, but frankly, if it's in the middle of a neighborhood, you're not making any money off of it. You're not writing that many tickets. There's not enough volume, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So usually it's because uh, there has been a complaint. So it's something uh, to just work with your community association through. You'll have a, what we call a CLO, a community liaison officer from the police service. Uh, and they're usually very, very good about making sure they're focused in the areas that people want. My colleagues, though, on city council, I will tell you, always tell me that the number one complaint they get in their neighborhoods is people speeding in their neighborhoods. And I anticipate that over the course of the next year, we're going to have a discussion um, here in Calgary about whether we should lower speed limits on all residential roads. You know, I think they're 30 kilometers an hour in Airdrie, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and the province is talking about a new pedestrian safety strategy, and that's a conversation, even though I was the one who voted against it, it's a conversation I'm very much willing to have if that's something people are interested in us looking at. Would you go as low as 30? Because we've had this conversation on the air as well. Some people said maybe 40, but even in Airdrie, the people who call in said, no one goes 30 in Airdrie. People go to Airdrie? <laughs> people live <laughs> in Airdrie. <laughs> Wait a second, um, you're sounding like our health minister. We don't want to get into that. Uh, but, oh, really? But, oh, yes, she had a comment about Airdrie that didn't really impress Airdrie oh, residents. I'm just kidding, Mayor Brown. I know you're listening. Um, I mean, I, I'm willing to have the conversation. The reason people say 30, uh, it's funny because I'm not really a big advocate for this, but I, I'm interested in learning more. The reason people say 30 is because when you get hit, the odds of dying increase or decrease exponentially between 50 and 30. Right. Uh, so, you know, you're likely to get injured but not killed. And that's sort of a, an interesting starting point for discussion, but I'd love to know more about the Airdrie experience. All right, let's go back to the phones. Hello, Stan. What's your question for Mayor Nenshi? Hey, hi, Mayor and Angela. Hi. It's a good idea to get into the green bin uh, organic recycling. I just wondered, and I've never heard this discussed, is there a way to share, a, let's say, a green bin between two, three, four neighbors would people cooperate, you know, rather than just having this congestion of tons of bins, even maybe for the dry recycling, too? See if you can That's would people go for it. That's a really interesting idea um, because certainly it would clear up the streets a little bit. You know, I'm going to suggest that people should maybe just work with their neighbors on this because, like I say, in my house... I just don't put them out unless they're full, especially in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even put the black bin out unless it's full because uh, I figure that's just a little more efficient. But it'll be interesting to work with people. You may have heard on the news today, though, that we're actually experimenting with different sizes of the green bins because mm-hmm. the current green bins are way, the ones that have been used in the four communities with the pilot project are way smaller than the current blue and black bins. Oh, okay. Uh, and people are finding them maybe a little bit too small. So we're experimenting with uh, ones that are a little more than half the size, ones that are like two-thirds the size, and ones that are full size. Mm. Uh, I don't think you need full size. If you're producing that many organics, you're running a restaurant out of your house. (laughs) Stan, thanks so much for the call. Uh, Here's a question on our text line asking... When, what is the plan to fix Deerfoot? And no, three-year study is not what is needed. 
Clearfoot isn't our city's no, responsibility. No, it's the province's. Uh, that belongs to the province. So Brian Mason is the Minister of Transportation. His Twitter handle is... No, I'm kidding. Um, I know that uh, the provincial government has long been looking at this. It's just hugely expensive. There are three fixes that they are considering. Uh, Anderson... Glenmore, so the two places where the squeezes are, and then the one which is in northeast Calgary, kind of between McKnight Boulevard and Beddington Trail, which is usually the cause of a giant bottleneck in the afternoon rush. That third one, to be honest with you, is one that I've been pushing, not just because I'm a northeast guy myself, but because that one's not that expensive. And, you know, while the provincial government is very low on funds and really worried about having the money to do the Southwest Ring Road, as well as Anderson and Glenmore. I think that one change on Deerfoot would make a huge difference in the afternoon rush, and I'd like to see them move forward with that. For everyone going back to Airdrie. Where? <laughs> Evelyn, what's your question for the mayor? Hi, how are you? I'm well. Okay, my question is about the subsidized housing. Yes. I just want to find out from the mayor how many times do they review the income of the people who are living in the subsidized housing? Because I know... So many people who live there who make almost 100000 and we are paying for them to live in that. And people who really do qualify can't get uh, access to it. Thanks, Evelyn. Um, you know, there's always uh, going to be, well, I shouldn't say there's always going to be. There always is some fraud in these things. And in fact, the Calgary Housing Company has really been cracking down on that over time. Now, the funny thing is when you do that, you end up with... Uh, Big stories in the newspaper about how the heartless Calgary Housing Company is kicking people out of their home and so on. But you know what, Evelyn? Even though I hate to say this, if you know people like that, call 311 um, anonymously. Uh, because, you know, we, we, can't, we can't track everybody. And certainly we do check people's income. Uh, I think we do it on an annual basis, rotating through the entire portfolio. But a lot of these folks perhaps... Uh, you know, I keep hearing stories about a lot of these folks perhaps are not reporting all of it. Uh, and so we, we have ways of investigating that, but we do need to know. And tell Evelyn that phone number again. Just 311. 311, Evelyn, all right. Oh, okay, thank you very much. Thank you. You bet, you bet. Uh, one person texting saying, has the law to allow six-story wood structures been passed? If so, why aren't we seeing more of them to help lower the cost of building compared to concrete? It's not exactly a law, but yes, it has been passed. And in fact, uh, last I checked, there were, oh, I want to say dozens of them in the pipeline. It was passed uh, within the last year, so it takes a while to get your development permits and so on coming forward, but you're going to see a lot of those going forward. And that will be more affordable housing then? That's I mean, right, hopefully because the, on that the wood savings. is cheaper than concrete. Once you get much above six stories, the price differential starts to disappear. Mm. Uh, there was a big fire code and building code debate around six stories, uh, and we've decided to move forward with it. Uh, I think that's the right thing to do. Let's take a break because that's the right thing to do right now. And we've got more calls to get to in text. 351 Helicopter Traffic brought to you by Truman. Escape the concrete jungle and discover 1741. Register now at live at 1741.com. Well, sounds like we have quite a few collisions right now in the southeast northbound Barlow Trail at 106 Avenue. Uh, another crash at Highfield Road in 26 and reports of a collision on northbound McLeod Trail at 25th. If we look at the southwest, there's also a report of a collision southbound on Crowchild Trail approaching Glenmore. It looks like delays right now extending uh, just past 33rd Avenue. In the northwest, also a collision southbound on Shaganapi Trail at 40th Avenue by Market Mall. Right now at GMC, you can receive an additional 500 holiday bonus on the 2015 and 2016 Toronto. 
terrain. That's up to $5,700 in total cash credits. For the News Talk 770 Traffic Helicopter, I'm Chris Duchesne. I'm Jared Wielden in the News Talk 770 Traffic Center. Northbound Deerfoot Trail, seeing volume between 17th Avenue Southeast and 64th Avenue up in the Northeast. Southbound Deerfoot Trail, moving a lot better, but we are still seeing volume between Pagan and Anderson. Southbound on Crowchild between 33rd Avenue and Glenmore, you're also going to see a few delays. 770-770 is our text number. Our phone number is 974-8255. Let us know when you see something on the roads. Cloudy tonight, snow developing early in the morning tomorrow, and it will also end late in the morning, expecting about 2 centimeters, an overnight low of minus 13. Afternoon sunny breaks after all of that, a high of minus 4. And then on Saturday, partly cloudy and minus 2. Sunday, partly cloudy and minus 1. Right now, we still have minus 9. The weather brought to you by... Well, sounds like we have quite a few collisions That's enough, right Chris. Now. You've already had your opportunity. Brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Ask your financial advisor about Fidelity Mutual Funds or visit fidelity.ca. Let's go back to the phones. Hello, Scott. Hi there. Um, I just have a question with regards to the bedroom communities of Cochrane, Strathmore, Okotoks, and I guess Airdrie. Uh, don't uh, forget any, Chester Beer. That's right. Yeah. Is there any plans to amalgamate these communities into the city of Calgary? And for me, I'll tell you why it's a frustration. And uh, I feel like those communities should be contributing to the cost of transportation with regards to the LRT because the the, the outer parking lots are packed in the morning with those uh, commuters who come in and then hop on the train, and essentially we're paying for uh, our taxes or subsidizing uh, to a greater extent that that system than what their taxes are, and even though they're strong users of it. Yes, this is a very, very, very big question, and I'm going to try and answer it uh, as quickly as I can. So just before I became mayor, um, there was a decision taken by the whole region that rather than Calgary annexing all the time, which is what we tended to do in the past, we would actually try to work together as a region to solve some of these problems. So, for example, the border between Calgary and Chestermere is actually between Calgary and Chestermere. There's no rural area in between. Um, and so one of part of that is actually to work to get more of the people who are coming in from those communities on transit. So the Airdrie Transit has now been running almost five years, the ICE bus it's called, and it's doing really well, taking a lot of cars off the road, bringing them right downtown. And we're going to start uh, a project on regional transit um, going forward. Uh, it should actually be starting sometime in 2016 from some of those other bedroom communities. Uh, that should make a big difference to what you're talking about. Now, there's a couple other things about that. The next thing is, if you've heard a lot of conversation in the news around the Calgary Regional Partnership and the Calgary Metropolitan Plan, I'm now on my fifth premier and my eighth municipal affairs minister, I think, and this has been a huge conversation. The current municipal affairs minister is really making noises that she's going to legislate the plan, which means that Rocky View County and the MD of Foothills will be part of the region, and that's really important because the planning that they've been doing is not necessarily supportive of infrastructure and of good transit. You know, putting cross-iron mills in a place where there was no transit, who puts them all where there's no transit? You're just going to cause enormous amounts of trouble. So all of this is starting to move together, though I will tell you that uh, some of the communities around us are not very happy with the pace of this change, and you may hear a lot of news around potential annexations and so on from there. Now, the last thing I'm going to say is, One of the weird things about this is I 100% agree with you that 
folks who are living outside of the city choosing not to pay property taxes to the city but using city facilities every day are being subsidized by the rest of us. But one of the funny things about this is if you look at a place that has no industrial base and only people live there, their tax base is actually really low. So from a really perverse perspective, in my world, I would actually prefer if all of the people live in the bedroom communities and all of the jobs are in the city, because that would actually make my tax base work much better. But of course, that's not how you build community. And we need to be able to help the whole region grow. And there are some kinds of industrial uses that are better outside of the city. You know, there's, and so getting all of this right has, takes up an enormous amount of my time. But uh, it's stuff that we need to continue to work on. Uh, I had to say goodbye to Scott just because his line was a little busy. But we also have to remember that some of that public transit gets provincial funding, federal funding. And so Chestermere residents, uh, Okotoks residents, they the, pay the, taxes the, the too. The capital part of it does, but the operating does not. Yeah. So Scott has a very good point that when you pay your bus fare, um, it costs $6 to take you on the bus and you pay $3.15. And that remainder... Uh, $2.85 is strictly from the property taxes Covered of Calgarians. All right. Um, here, uh, can you please, Mayor Nenshi, can you please give our Premier some tips on active listening and public relations? You do it so well where she fails so miserably. You know, that's very kind. Uh, I, I want to say something about that, and I probably shouldn't, but I will anyway, which is it does take two to tango. And where I get... Some folks saying just nasty stuff to me all the time on the Internet um, or phoning my office and making the receptionist cry. It does happen, though she's the strongest person I know. What I'm seeing that the premier is getting is so much worse. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, as we go into this new year, that we've had six months of really divisive, nasty stuff going on in in, in Canada and Calgary and Alberta. In 2016, let's turn the page on this. You know, nobody goes into public life because they want to close all family farms. Nobody goes into public life to put the oil industry out of business. Everyone goes into public life because they love their community and they want the community to be better. And you can disagree with me. You can disagree with her. You can disagree with Brian Jean. And I disagree with everybody on an ongoing basis. But you, you don't have to be jerks about it. And yes, politicians, all of us, me included, need to do a better job of listening to people. Um, but people also need, some people also need, I think, to do a better job of being respectful to folks who make a lot of sacrifices to be in public life. I want to finish with this text on that conversation about who should be paying for public transportation. If you work in New York City but live in Connecticut or New Jersey, a 1.5% payroll tax comes off your check that goes directly to New Mm -hmm. York City to pay for your fair share of the infrastructure you use on a daily basis. So, you know, sometimes um, when I come on the show, people talk about the city charter that we've been trying to negotiate uh, with the province. They say, oh, it's just a tax grab. But in fact, being creative about financing uh, in ways like that helps us build infrastructure that benefits everybody. And I think that is a good conversation as well for us to have in 2016. Mayor Nancy, thanks so much for this. And yes, we will have more conversations in 2016. Hopefully you have a lovely holiday and get to work on that book about the flood. Yeah. Thank you. And to all the listeners uh, from my family, Merry Christmas to everyone and the happiest of New Year's. We've got news coming up next.